This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen and oxygen and nitrogen and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium. You're listening to Radio Hawks Bay, your community access radio station. And I'm Lynn Trafford, presenting Hawks Bay Scientists on Air, on behalf of the Hawks Bay branch of the Royal Society, T.R. Parangi. This program is your opportunity to meet practicing and recently retired scientists from around the Bay. With me in the studio today is Dr. Chandre Honnett, a lecturer in viticulture and wine science at the School of Viticulture and Wine Science at the Eastern Institute of Technology in Napier. Dr. Honnett grew up in a small town in South Africa and gained her tertiary education culminating in a doctorate of viticulture from the University of Stellenbosch, a public research university situated in Stellenbosch in the Western Cape province of South Africa. Stellenbosch is the oldest university in South Africa, receiving full university status in 1918. Its history begins with the establishment of the Stellenbosch Gymnasium in 1864, with the first MA degree being completed in 1887. The history of this beautifully situated university and pictures of its lovely historical buildings is easily found online. How then did a graduate of Stellenbosch University end up lecturing at EIT in Hawke's Bay, New Zealand? Let's find out. Hello, Dr. Chandri Honnett, and welcome to Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air. Hi, um, thank you very much for having me. It's really nice to be able to speak about my work and research on air, so thank you. Yes, it's lovely to have you here. Let's go right back. I've already said you're from small town, South Africa. Whereabouts were you born, and where did you go to primary school, Chandre? So I was born in a small town called Kimberley. Most people will know it for um, its diamond mining um, and the really big hole that was left behind um, in the time of Cecil John Rhodes. Um, the school I went to was called West End Primary School. It was quite a small school, um, not sure a large number of students, but it was a really lovely school. Um, and it really started me off um, on a great footing in terms of education. Yes, sounds yeah. idyllic to me, really. It sounds lovely. High school, did they send you away or was there a suitable school at home? Um, I went to a local school called uh, Kimberley Girls High. Um, my mum had been there before me um, when she was a younger woman. Um, so it was just kind of a natural thing for me to go That's to that school as well. That's what was always going yeah. to happen. Pretty I much, suppose. yeah. Was, you told me off here it was mum's hometown. It was, yeah. My mum grew up there. Um, my grandparents were there, so it was her hometown. Um, um, she went to the same junior school as me as well. Uh, so, yeah, we've kind of always just been oh, in I the love area. You, really. Yeah, yes. yeah. I'm looking for now a turn-on moment, mm-hmm. Chandre. You told me that you like to read and that you thought you might like to be a marine scientist yeah. because of the sexiness of dolphins, yes. as I understand. <laughs> yes. Such cute, lovely yeah. animals, really. What happened to turn you on to science? 
Well, from a very young age, I did want to go into something scientific. Um, like you said, I wanted to start off as a marine biologist. Um, so a lot of my subjects at school, I chose to be geared towards a science field. And at the end of my schooling, I couldn't really decide what I preferred. Um, I enjoyed chemistry. I enjoyed geography. I enjoyed biology. Um, I even liked physics and maths, believe it or not. And I just couldn't really pick something. And a representative from Stellenbosch University came down to my school in Kimberley and spoke to us about viticulture and wine. And I thought it was such a good uh, kind of career to go into because it combines all of those different science fields. So a bit of chemistry, a bit of biology, some geography, um, which is why I chose to actually try it out and see what it would be like and ended up in it. Kimberley, where you grow up, I think all around the world, people associate Kimberley with, with diamonds. But is there any grape growing around that region? I don't know the region other than its history for diamonds, but... Are there grapes grown around your hometown? Um, probably the closest place that they grow grapes would be in a town called Douglas. And there are a number of grape farms up north, uh, closer to the Orange River. These are, however, all table grapes, which is different from oh, wine grapes. Of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. So it wasn't something that you grew up with, that you were surrounded by. It must come a bit out of left field, really. When you go home and say to my mom, I think I'll study viticulture. Wow. I was was it a bit like that? A little bit. I mean, she was obviously pleased that I was going to go into viticulture and my dad was pleased I was going to go into winemaking. Um, uh, so it was a little bit left field. But I think the combination of all of those interests that I had um, in, in science into this one field was what actually drew me towards it. So yeah. even though there isn't any viticulture around in Kimberley, um, it wasn't too much of a leap for me to actually go into this and study tick. in Cape Town, yeah, because of all of those sciences that are it's involved in it. It's funny, isn't it, how yeah. these things happen? You get somebody come to talk to you in 2006 about yes. viticulture, and in 2007 you've gone away and you're studying. Absolutely, yeah. I, mean, I, I think that's amazing, and it's a wonderful way for you to be turned on to this particular field of science, yeah. and a bit of a fluke. Had you been ill that day, you wouldn't have heard the talk. Anyway, you did, 2006. Six, you finish school, 2007, off you go to university. Now, we've already said that you went to Stellenbosch University. Was that always the university of choice? Um, that wasn't initially what I was going to do. Um, but because viticulture is, the, is uh, taught at Stellenbosch University, and there isn't another one in South Africa that does do a course in viticulture and winemaking, it was kind of my only option, yes. should I want to go into this field. Um, so that's the one I applied to. And I'm very glad I did because it is a very prestigious university and I was very pleased to get in and be accepted to the course. Um, and yeah, I absolutely loved my time there. Yes, lovely. Yeah. So 2007, you start your, your undergrad. Uh, what I'm interested to talk about here is the kinds of work, the practical work that you were doing in the school holidays, if you like, from that university, there were three holiday employment options for you or opportunities for you, three jobs, all very different. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the first one. The winemaking process was the focus, wasn't it, of that first one? Is that the one at Eight Cake? 
Yes. Yeah. So that one was the one that was focusing on winemaking um, specifically. So I did a vintage in the winery, uh, helping the winemaker and the assistant winemaker actually uh, process the grapes and monitor the fermentations and make the wine. Um, so that, yeah, that was very much focused on the winemaking pro- process or the, the aspect of the whole field. Yeah. You told me off here that this was important for you because it helped you decide that you wanted to be a viticulturalist yes, and yes. not a winemaker. Yes. So I don't know whether that was successful or not, that, that first practicum, well, and that it, it was, was all about winemaking, yeah. and you decided you didn't want to do it. I think that's a bit funny. It, it is a bit funny. It yeah, is it is a bit funny. funny. The second um, one, yeah. in the next vacation, you're a viticultural assistant you told me that that was like being something of an apprentice. You were doing all kinds of everything. Yeah, so this one I was kind of shadowing the viticulturist on the farm and doing bits of everything that were necessary at that time. And um, I enjoyed that experience far more than the winemaking experience, being outside, working with the plants, etc. So um, that's why when I was doing that winery work, I kind of decided between the two of them, I much prefer working with the actual yes, plants well, and being outside. Yes. Isn't that good? Yeah. I think that's really good that you were able to decide it not sitting in a lecture theatre, but mm-hmm. actually getting your hands dirty. Yes, I think that was the point of us doing all of those of work course. experiences. It's just to see where we would be most suited yeah. and what we enjoy. Um, and it worked out for me, so that's And great. the third one, table grapes yes. rather than wine grapes. Now, you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago that there is a difference. How did this happen for you? How did you get involved with table grapes? <laughs> So it was part of the course. It was a necessary requirement that we do a um, some work with a table grape company. And um, we got in contact with Karsten Buderai, which is in the north, and they um, took me on as just a seasonal worker. Um, and it was just we needed to experience something in the table grape field so that, again, so that you had that experience so you could know whether you wanted to go into table grapes or wine grapes because yeah. the industry needs all kinds. Do you know if anyone from your course actually went the other way, went to table grapes? One person that I know of, yeah. Wow, okay. (laughs) Well, that's good. Then it was worthwhile, wasn't it? If you get one, and as a company you get to hire one person that's of excellence, then it's all okay. So that was the BSc, and actually it turns out to be a good thing for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You finished your BSc. Were you thinking of going on to the Masters, or was somebody there at the university going to just tap you on the shoulder and say, Come on, kiddo, you have to keep going here. How did it work? It was a bit of both. So towards Mm -hmm. the end of my studies, I um, was uh, playing around with the idea of going into further uh, studies, doing a master's. And I had a viticultural lecturer who I spoke to, and he said that he would recommend that I do a master's and that he would um, supervise me and take me on. Um, And we decided kind of then and there to proceed with the master's, and he became my supervisor. And, yeah, I completed my master's with him in the next two years. The dissertation, the study, what were you focusing on? So he was very interested in sugar um, accumulation in grapes, and he uh, wanted to look a little bit further into the link between sugar accumulation and photosynthesis in the leaves and how the two are related to each other. So we know photosynthesis makes sugar and that sugar gets sent to the grapes, um, but it was all about, you know, how much gets sent, how is all of it getting sent, how is it kind of regulated in the plant itself. So that's what we looked at in the Masters. And was it fascinating for you? It was, actually. It was really 
interesting. I particularly enjoyed uh, reading all of the other um, research done in this in the in the topic, um, and actually kind of putting it all together and trying to make sense of my data. So it was it was quite an interesting process of discovery and, and writing and researching, which I really enjoyed. And what happened to the dissertation? Anything? Did, I, did it prove his point for him? Uh, to a degree. So because it was a, uh, just a master's, we, it was just a small part of his study. But, yeah, it did help him to go on to do further research in the of field. Course. And he's still actually quite active in this um, field or topic of sugar accumulation in grapes. So well, sugar in the grape is important, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And it's going to be different in all kinds of different climates, uh-huh. especially with the question of lower alcohol wines becoming more prevalent. So understanding the dynamics of sugar flow into the grapes, we could potentially change that so that we can get grapes with less sugar and the same flavor to have lower alcohol wines. So understanding the links between photosynthesis and sugar loading is important for those kinds of things. Thank you for explaining that. I think that's really fascinating yeah. and interesting. So you finished your master's. Congratulations on Thanks. that one. Now, you were going to roll straight into the PhD. But again, did somebody ask you to do this or was it always the plan? Well, my master's supervisor asked me to do a PhD with him and I had kind of already decided that I'd want to do a PhD. I was just enjoying research too much and I wanted to carry on. Um, He unfortunately um, got a job offer in Australia, unfortunate for me, great for him, and he went off to Australia. Did Um, he ask you to go too? He did. He He did did. ask me to go with him. Oh my goodness, had you gone to Australia, we might never have you here in North Spain, might we? Completely But you did not go, you stayed at your university. I did, yeah. So you would have a a different PhD supervisor. Correct. What did this supervisor ask of you? So this supervisor, um, she is, uh, or she she was a um, biotechnology um, kind of a focused uh, supervisor, and she was looking to take on some more viticultural students to kind of look at the viticultural aspects of some plant biotechnology points that she was trying to kind of um, investigate. And she took me on because she was looking at some research in UVB and Sauvignon Blanc, um, and she wanted me to kind of look more at the physiology and uh, metabolomics of those grapes in terms of UVB. So you were looking at Sauvignon Blanc, I was, weren't yes. you? Yeah. Which, of course, is quite important to us here in yes. the Bay, isn't it? As, yes. it? as it turns out. Yeah. So tell me about this. You you mentioned the ozone layer mm-hmm. at one stage. And, of course, the ozone layer affects us very much down here. Yes. Also, yeah. Yeah. does it not? What did you find out with your study? So interestingly, um, it turns out that UVB is quite important for a number of processes in grapes. Um, so a lot of the kind of background in doing this project was worry that came from farmers in how UVB might be damaging to their product. So we did the study to see, you know, what actually was happening and whether there was something we could tell them to do to help mitigate any issues. But found the complete opposite is that the UVB it wasn't damaging. No, it wasn't. Okay. No, um, so it, it's important that it's not very hot. So this kind of study can only be done in cooler regions um, because an increase in light increases temperature as well, which leads to sunburn. But an increase in exposure of the grapes also increases the UVB light, and this um, switches on a number of defense mechanisms in the grape itself. And those defense mechanisms create a number of compounds, and those 
those compounds are what give our grapes the flavor and aroma that we are looking for. So, for example, that very kind of fruity character you get in Sauvignon Blanc doesn't exist unless you have some sort of damaging or stress um, situation that the plant needs to respond to. So UVB is a stress factor. Increasing it gives you more fruity aroma because those compounds are defense compounds. Living in Hawke's Bay as we do... Mm -hmm. And you can't help but drive through the grapes, can you? There, there they are, all these yeah. lovely vines. And at different times of the year, they're, they're beautiful. Leaves are glorious, lovely colours. And you see these big bunches of grapes yeah. forming at the bottom of the vine with all the leaves cut off. Yes. Yeah. Why do we cut all the leaves off, Chandra? So that's an exposure thing, exactly what we did with my PhD, where we did exposure, taking the leaves off to um, expose the grapes to more light. Um, it helps the plant to actually accumulate a lot of these compounds that are necessary for aroma and flavor. Most of the exposure that you probably are seeing in Hawke's Bay is on red varieties. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I acknowledge that one. That's why it looks so glorious. Yes. I think you've got the, the leaves on the top and these big bunches of red grapes hanging down yeah. underneath. And you can see them. Absolutely. How so, long have we been cutting the leaves off? How many years have we been doing this? Because it's not a natural thing to do, is it? The, the grape would normally grow in amongst all the leaves. So yeah. how long have we been doing this? Um, the studies around exposure and the link that it has to increasing color compounds is uh, quite a, a long kind of, okay. uh, it's, it's been studied for a fairly long time. So, so some decades. We do know that it, it helps. Yes. Um, so yeah, by cutting off all of those leaves or picking them off uh, and exposing the bunches to more light, they accumulate more color because the color is a protective compound to light but again you just need to balance that with temperature because exposing all of those grapes um, will make them more vulnerable to sunburn so you need to kind of be careful and look to see whether it's possible color aroma flavor yeah it's the first thing we look at isn't it if we pour yeah. e even if you're not an officiado of, of wine if you're yeah. just an ordinary consumer like myself and you pour a bottle a, a, from a bottle into a glass yeah. whether it be white or red you want that color yeah in the first instance, to yeah. look really lovely, don't yes. you? The yeah. colour's got to invite you. Yeah. And then if you've got a goodie, as you're pouring it, you can even smell it. Yes, and those Can't are all you? related to, to exposure and, and stress responses. Yes. So light I, is I an easy think way of to my do wine it. quite differently. Yeah. <laughs> this has come from a really nice place that's exposed to the sun <laughs> as I sniff yeah. my wine. It's important. All right, you, you conclude your PhD... And you, you told me off air that you had a wonderful supervisor. So really, in the end, you were very lucky, weren't you, with your, your supervisor and her study yes. that, that she was doing. Yeah. All right. So we get to the end of the PhD, 2018. You decided to come to New Zealand. Why, why did you choose New Zealand? I know we have grapes here and what <laughs> yes. have you, but so do an awful lot of other parts of the world. Was it a fluke? Or did you look at New Zealand really with a genuine interest in coming here? How did it work, Jandre? Well, my husband and I were looking to move um, somewhere just, you know, to experience, you know, another kind of lifestyle and um, have a bit of an adventure. And he, he and I kind of decided that New Zealand would be a good place to, to look for work and see if we could move over there because it was just a very appealing country. It, it's just beautiful. It's very similar culture to South Africa and um, 
lovely people. So we were very keen on moving to New Zealand and I um, was uh, started looking for uh, jobs online and found uh, my EIT job on LinkedIn. Um, so the, the day that I saw this job application was the day that it closed. Um, so I frantically called my husband and said, I need to get a cover letter um, sorted out immediately because I need to apply for this job by the end of today. And I did. And they called me back for an interview. I did the interview nine o'clock at night in South Africa. Um, and a few weeks later, they called me again and said that I could have the job if I was interested. So I accepted and we moved over. Viticulture and wine science mm-hmm. he, right here in Horse Bay. What, you arrive at EIT. What kinds of courses are available in the School of Viticulture and Wine Science? So we do a number of very um, specific courses geared towards grape growing and winemaking. Um, the ones that I'm in charge of in the viticulture stream include things like viticulture science, viticulture practice. We do some soil sciences. Um, we do some plant science so that you can get a good understanding of just general botany. Um, there's a lot of chemistry involved as well. Um, I do a course called Flavor Farming, which is a combination of... Um, plant metabolism and how it links to wine characters and aromas. So we have a number of really interesting courses that really combine a lot of different sciences. So if someone is really interested in doing science and exploring things, but also enjoys hands-on work, being outside, working in a winery, having a good community of people around you, this is a really great field to go into. In December 2022, you gave a presentation to the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society about a program that you had been researching. What had you been researching? So that was another project in um, terms of uh, grape metabolism, looking at how stress impacts it. And this, in this case, we were looking at water stress. So how can you, or can you stress out a vine, specifically Syrah in this case, and thereby improve the quality? So grape vines are a bit weird in the sense that they enjoy being stressed a little bit. That gives us the best grape quality. And my PhD, we used light to stress them out. And for this research project, we used water deficit. Oh, lack of water. Lack of water to <laughs> stress water. them out, yeah. Um, and we were basically looking to see how stressing them out would affect them, whether we could improve the quality and speed up ripening um, or not. Um, and then we were able to feed that information back to industry so that we could help them make decisions for themselves. So depriving the grapes of water. I mean, in my head, it sounds like a terrible thing to do to the vines was it a terrible thing to do you said it a little bit's all right but my understanding from your presentation is that you really went overboard with you this. can you can go overboard it depends on the grapevine that you're working with so which cultivar you're working with um, so for example in Syrah you can stress it out a little bit but you can stress it out too much as well so giving a little bit of stress is beneficial it gives you more color faster ripening etc but stressing it out too much or not giving it enough water um, kind of stops its growth. So it reduces sugar production and it re- reduces color production. So there's kind of a fine line when it comes to Syrah between do, am I giving it enough water or yes. am I giving it um, like too Did little. Did you enjoy that study? It was pretty interesting. Yeah, Yeah, it was really interesting, specifically because all of the literature says very clearly if you stress vines out in terms of water, they will give you better wine. But when we looked at Syrah, we found that that wasn't quite true. It's like, yes, stressing them out will give you better quality, but to a point. You can't stress them out too much because then they're going to give you poorer quality. 
Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. So here we are now at the start of 2023, as at the time of recording. Have you got some future research lined up? What, what are you going to be looking at? So I am interested in, in vine physiology specifically. So one of the um, bigger questions in Hawke's Bay is related to Chardonnay. And we're looking to see if we can improve Chardonnay yields through different methods. So I'm hoping to investigate some of those coming up. All right. So how long will that study take? So at the moment, we're doing pilot trials with our students. um, And if anything comes out of their pilot trials, we'll pick it up. And it'll take about two years from that point to come to a conclusive data set Uh that we can look at. So in two years' time, we should chat about Chardonnay. Yes, yes, I think so. We should indeed, (laughs) shouldn't we? Thank you, Dr. Chandra Honnett, lecturer in viticulture and wine science at the School of Viticulture and Wine Science at EIT in Napier. Thank you for being my my guest on Hawkspace Scientist on Air. If, like me, you know very little about the University of Stellenbosch in South Africa, do have a look online at the courses being offered there and the research projects being undertaken. Of course, our very own EIT is always worth a look at as well. Each year, a prospectus is published, and you can pick it up from libraries and eyesights. Of course, it's available at EIT and online. Should you be interested in attending the monthly lecture program offered by the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society, or looking at the overarching role of the Royal Society in New Zealand, hit Google. Please join me every Monday morning at 9.30 to meet another practicing or recently retired scientist from around the bay. I'm Lynn Trafford. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.